Welcome to Need to Know Nutrition, the podcast that fuels you up correctly to boost your performance. I'm so glad you could make it today because I have a very special guest on the show. I want you to meet Lisa Stanton-Smith, sports nutrition superstar. Lisa is a clinical nutritionist who works with elite and semi-elite athletes to achieve sporting greatness through tailored nutritional strategy, as well as everyday athletes looking to run in their first event. Coupled with an elite running background, Lisa brings a unique understanding of human nutrition to every conversation, and today is no different. Lisa talks to us about the importance of fueling your body correctly, some common mistakes she sees athletes make, as well as some myth-busting, like does carb loading actually work? We also discuss the toxic culture that puts a lot of pressure on athletes and their body image. I know you'll enjoy everything that this super intelligent, professional and down-to-earth lady has to say. Welcome to Need to Know Nutrition, Lisa Stanton-Smith. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lisa. Now, I want to kick this interview off with a few obvious or perhaps not so obvious questions in regards to sports nutrition. Firstly, what is sports nutrition and how does it differ from everyday nutrition? Yeah, so sports nutrition to me ultimately is strategized nutrition that's specific to fueling for or recovering from your sporting endeavors. And how do you think it differs from normal everyday nutrition? Yeah, so I guess, you know, for an everyday person, you're, you know, needing to consume foods that are going to support your body for its everyday functions. Whereas when you're doing a sport or if you're really active, you're really placing that extra demand on your body. And so that sports nutrition is really specific to that particular moment of your life, as opposed to just the general functioning of your body. So why is it important to fuel up correctly for sport? So ultimately you need to make sure that you're want that you're getting the most out of your body. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to put in all of the effort to do the training and, you know, potentially be competing as well, you actually want to make sure that you're maximizing those training sessions and that you're recovering from them efficiently so that you actually get those adaptations in the body and that you improve your performance. That's generally why most people do sport is to get better so um we need to be fueling appropriately in order to actually meet those demands and improve yeah absolutely and I think the term sports nutrition gets thrown around a little bit so is sports nutrition just for semi-professional and professional athletes or can anyone use it to their benefit so it's not specific to elite performance necessarily it's appropriate if um, for example, a lot of my clients wake up one day and decide that they want to run a marathon or good on them. Uh, maybe, yeah, or maybe it's um, that they want to run a 5K even um, or that they've decided to do some social netball. And so there's still ways that you can uh, fuel appropriately for those scenarios in order to actually feel your best during those periods of sport or exertion. So what are the first steps that someone might take to actually start their sports nutrition journey? I would say see someone specifically for individualised assistance. At the end of the day, we're all such unique individuals and what is appropriate for one person isn't necessarily appropriate 
appropriate for the next. So it really is so valuable to get individualised assistance. Yes, that general, the, the whole general look is so out now, isn't it, where, where everybody follows <laughs> a general diet. We, it's all about individualised and customised treatment plans, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, yeah. Lisa, what are the three most common mistakes that you see athletes make when it comes to fueling their bodies correctly? Yeah, so there's a few big ones. Um, I would say one being comparisonitis. So that trap of comparing your needs to perhaps the needs of someone else, uh, either in your sport um, or perhaps in your ideal um, body image uh, sort of idealism um, or, you know, even sometimes it's comparing oneself to a former version of their own self. So uh, big common ones that I see, uh, particularly for women, is those who've had a a baby or multiple babies, um, comparing their now body to what they were pre-children or people who have perhaps recently gone through puberty or, you know, early 20s, comparing themselves to their pre-teen body and any of those scenarios are not helpful to optimising your own performance. I feel like we we can't help sometimes but compare, can we? I know. Yeah. Definitely not healthy. And another big one is underfueling. So this is such a big one. And unfortunately, it, it's it stems, you know, right throughout the sporting culture. So um, both at elite level and recreational level, I see people underfueling because of this ideal of what someone needs to look like in order to run fast or compete at a certain level. And it just it really doesn't help recovery or performance or any part of sports nutrition at all. It's, it's not healthy. No, (laughs) it's so interesting, isn't it? That people Mm. or athletes are willing to sacrifice their performance to look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because there's so much um, cultural issues with it. So, you know, the amount of people, and, and I've heard this myself, even that, you know, high-performance managers, coaches, um, training partners, parents, not even necessarily your own parents, someone else's parents, um, you know, all having said at different times to so many people that, oh, you you really struggled to make weight this year or, oh, you're looking a little bit heavier this year compared to last year or um, or even, oh, you look so fit. I had, had an athlete tell me this that... Um, a high-performance manager on an Olympic team told her she looked so fit after she'd just had gastro. He was implying that her sudden skinniness was, you know. Like, oh, no. Yeah, that that was indicative of, of elite performance and insane levels of fitness, but actually she was just really sick. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, it's so endemic through the culture of so many sports. It's almost like they don't realise that the flyby comments, how much of an impact they have on the athlete. Yeah, it's huge. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that is scary, Lisa. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it really is. What about number three? So I would say going it alone. A lot of people who try and do sport at um, particularly, uh, you know, I I guess even a recreational level, um, those that set themselves goals uh, tend to often be 
uh, I guess the ones that I see anyway are predominantly type A personalities. We're very highly driven people um, and we think we can do everything on our own. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you now that none of us can. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's nice to ask for some help sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because really it's a waste of our truck. Uh, waste of our time to try and be experts at everything and really yeah (laughs) you don't need to be so you know stick to what you're good at and get stuff done and you know then outsource your coaching your strength and conditioning your rehab so if you're ever injured obviously it's handy to go and see a physio or a chiro or an osteo or any sort of musculoskeletal specialist that is your preference Um, and a nutritionist ultimately it's so much easier if you just have someone there holding your hand telling you what you need to eat specific to your goals yes in fact it probably takes a little bit of pressure and stress off of you so why wouldn't you do it's an investment for sure Now, I'd really love to talk about fueling up for performance, and I thought I'd pick running and running-based sports as a general topic. So can you talk us through all of the important steps for fueling up correctly both in training and during an event or game? Yeah, so um, obviously it's hard to provide generalised (laughs) advice because it's even with just running, it's still quite varied and uh, even, you know, with running itself, you can break it down into things like sprinting and middle distance and marathon running and all of that. So they're all going to have quite different needs. But um, as a, I guess, a general base, you know, making sure that you're really optimising your carbohydrate intake prior to any sort of training or competition is really going to help fuel you appropriately for the session. During training or competition, it really depends on that length and intensity of your training or comp so um, a lot of people might not necessarily even need to take in any fuel during the session um, but those really sort of longer distance runners so if your sessions are sort of more than an hour hour and a half as a rough ballpark that's when you probably want to look at taking in some fuel to really get the most out of that session and during you know that's really dependent on gut tolerability and what sort of intensity you'll be training at Um, and then post training or competition you really want to make sure you can get in some sort of snack or even a meal depending on the timing um, pretty soon after so I just say really as soon as possible Um, that you can stomach ultimately too because sometimes you don't really want to sit down to a massive meal 10 minutes after you've just finished (laughs) but yeah as soon as possible um, you know really getting the full range of nutrients in there if you can so protein a good quality source of protein carbs a little bit of fat um, and you know as many micronutrients as you can through all of your veggies or, or fruit and that sort of stuff is is definitely handy Excellent. So much. I reckon the athletes already are going, oh, I'm going to write some of this down. So, so many (laughs) tips, so many good things to think about. So that's great. Now, I'm also hoping that you might be able to shine a light on some very popular sports nutrition questions that often sort of pop up. So I'm just going to fire them at you. So does carb loading actually work, Lisa? Yes and no. So (laughs) (laughs) not probably in the traditional sense that most people think of having to just chow down on only carbs for like five days leading into a run. 
Um, and it's funny because I see this happening even for people doing just a really short 5K run or something, which you really don't need to be full-blown carb loading for that. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, you do want to make sure that you are including quality carbohydrates in your meal sources in the couple of days leading into any big event like that. Okay, so do restrictive diets reduce athletic performance or recovery? So things like vegan or paleo, do you find that that restriction on certain food groups or anything like that have an effect on athletic performance? Yeah, definitely can. So um, paleo is a big one um, more because it quite commonly restricts carbohydrate intake. And there are some athletes that actually do reasonably well on more of a high-fat diet but when we're talking about performance based sports so if you're really trying to to win or um, run as fast as you possibly can carbs tend to still come out on top as a fuel source so that's where um, paleo could be potentially inhibiting your performance veganism is a tough one Um, it is quite possible to be highly competitive on a vegan diet um, but you really have to be switched on and very very strategic in your nutrition and whilst I think everyone should be strategic it's on a different level when you're excluding a lot of foods and the the biggest issue I see is most when people are at a level when they actually have to be traveling for their sport and sometimes sourcing foods can be challenging and if you're away for extended periods of time, it, it just adds another element of challenge to your day. Now, is there one gold standard sports diet? No. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably alluded to that in the last question a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, you can absolutely, there's, there's very different versions of what is appropriate for each individual. Yeah. Excellent. Now, should an athlete eat before a morning workout? This depends on the person and the training session that they're doing uh, and their goals ultimately as well. So there are times where fasted workouts can be really beneficial in um, improving fat, fat oxidation. But most of the time, if it's, and again, if it's a really short training session, it might be completely fine to be done fasted. Uh, but any of those real sort of higher intensity sessions Um, my strong recommendation is always to fuel beforehand. Do sports drinks actually do anything for the body? Yes. So (laughs) um, the problem with sports drinks is most people tend to overindulge in them and treat them just like water. Most of the time we do only need water, but in saying that a lot of um, some people can be really heavy sweaters and that's where doing um, sweat testing is really helpful you know, ultimately, if you're doing those longer distances in particular or really high intensity long sessions, that's when having sports drinks can be helpful because one, you're um, you're obviously hydrating, but at the same time, you're usually getting in a little bit of glucose. So you're helping refuel if you're doing those longer sessions in a way that's usually pretty easy on the gut compared to things like gels. Um And you're also getting electrolytes in formulas that whilst, yes, you know, they're made in a lab and all of that sort of stuff, they they are formulated at a ratio that has been very well studied to support 
uh, rehydration. So they definitely have a place. I think as a, as a society in general, we probably overdo it though. Yeah. And do you think too, um, I've often heard athletes say that sometimes it's easier to stomach a sports drink as opposed mm-hmm. to water, especially as perhaps the duration of the event or the sport or the training uh, increases. Yeah. So in particular, um, some of my athletes who are multi-stage cyclists, for example, so those multi-day events where you just actually get sick of drinking water for the amount that you need and for the extended period of time and, you know, you're fatigued and that extra sugar of, of a sports drink really does sometimes just help hydrate you efficiently. And, and at the end of the day, like we need to be hydrated appropriately. So if that's going to do it for you, then we need to start using some of those strategies. Absolutely. Now, can you be an intuitive eater when it comes to sports nutrition or is it all about the numbers? I think you can um, to a degree. So I find with depending on the training that someone's doing, so it it might be something that's more appropriate for a recreational level athlete. Um, But as you progress and are doing more and more training sessions, there are some sessions where you really don't feel like eating afterwards. And if you were to listen to your body, a lot of the time you wouldn't eat enough. And so it's one of those things that I think you need to listen to your body in the sense of oh I'm really craving um something chocolatey today or um you know I'm all for indulging on occasion when your body's really screaming for it but from the aspect of just eat when you want to eat unfortunately sometimes just doesn't reach that demand for an athlete yeah oh so interesting Now, is recovery nutrition just as important as, let's say, pre-event nutrition? Yes, definitely. So especially if you've got multiple rounds of an event um, or if um, really the only time recovery nutrition isn't as important is if it's the last event of the season and you're about to have a few weeks off and it doesn't matter because usually (laughs) most people are wanting to back up with another training session or another event, you know, within sort of 24 to 48 hours of that last uh, event or training session. So recovery really is so important to actually get the adaptations from these sessions. Now, I find that this question pops up often. So do athletes need protein powders or supplements? Oh, this is such a good one. Um, no, um, short answer. So protein, <laughs> protein powder, I think uh, I've looked this up recently. The sports nutrition global industry is worth, I think it was around $83 billion, if oh, my memory serves me correctly. Gosh, well, that out that outdoes the um, the weight loss and dieting because I think they're at like $72 billion. So, oh, my Lord, that yeah. is huge. It was, it's huge. Either way, even if that number is a little bit wrong, it's, it's massive. It'd and be, yeah. ultimately, these companies spend millions of dollars every year just on marketing to make you believe that you need protein powder in order to succeed. And they do this by, um, you know, sponsoring high-performing athletes to promote their product. But a lot of the time these athletes aren't actually using their product or they've started using them after already being very successful 
because this company is paying them really good money to use the product. And there, there's definitely exceptions to the rule, but most of the time, most people can get enough protein just from their food intake alone. So, you know, you're not then risking the potential of banned substances being in food usually, <laughs> unless you're eating somewhere really weird. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but that's always a risk in supplement form. And the same is true for obviously normal supplements outside of protein powders too, is you're, you're facing the risk of potential banned substances unless you're really opting for ones that have been third-party tested. And the other thing is a lot of the time they're just not necessary. So, yes, um, I do utilise supplements with my athletes um, when appropriate and needed, but it's always personalised to their needs and not based on what some other elite athlete is promoting as being good and maybe not even using a lot of the time. (laughs) Oh, I love it, Lisa. Food first, food first. Yes, definitely. Now, I also want to have a chat about REDS relative energy deficiency in sport. So can you tell us exactly what it is and how it affects performance? Yeah. So REDS is basically um, a collection of symptoms that athletes might experience when they're underfueling. So underfueling, um, as I mentioned earlier, is really common uh, from a sort of disordered eating pattern scenario, but it can even be things like not simply not having the right strategy in place to make sure that you're getting enough food, or it could be a food security issue. So not having enough funds to buy enough food or, um, you know, one of my friends even, you know, spent time in Kenya on a training camp and the availability of food there became really challenging. And he ended up with reds because he actually just couldn't source enough food that he was used to eating. So it is really, really common and can be easy to do without realising. The big things with REDS is that it leads to things like um, a loss of menstrual cycle for a lot of women, mood disorders, potentially osteoporosis, so bone density issues. There's so many elements that are affected in the body that ultimately lead to a drop in performance. And so it's such a huge huge problem in our culture that is really important that practitioners and and even coaches and whatnot are able to potentially identify. Um, So even things like, you know, when athletes have become really moody or unable to, um, you know, tolerate things as much as they used to, maybe a, a, a drop in resilience that isn't explained from sudden changes in their environment or, you know, like a sudden psychological stress seems to not be there oftentimes they're actually facing reds and they really do need to start supporting their body um, more strategically through diet. What are your top three nutrition tips when it comes to sports nutrition? Oh, top three, I would say is one, make sure that you're eating enough. (laughs) Really simple. (laughs) Advice. I love it. Yes. Can I say get individualized help again? It's such an important one. Uh, I think it really can't be overestimated how much that can impact your performance. Um, And thirdly, making sure that you've got a really good variety of nutrients in the diet still. So a lot of um, athletes are still in that sort of really old school model of just needing to eat pasta and white rice and white bread and, you know, those really basic carbohydrates but 
you know, for a long-term health perspective, which ultimately if we're healthy in the long-term, we're going to be supporting our performance at the same time, is really making sure there's as much variety in the diet as possible. So, you know, as many veggies as you can each week, a good variety of fruits, nuts and seeds, different whole grains other than just wheat, you know, really getting that variety in the diet. Obviously, meat and fish, if you're happy to eat those products, um, beans, lentils, they all really need to be featuring in the diet. So ensuring that that variety is there is really key. Oh, that's great. Such good tips. Now, Lisa, if you had to pick one piece of advice to give to aspiring athletes and gym goers out there, what would it be? Stay in your lane. (laughs) So focus on fueling for you and don't worry what other people say as far as things that maybe work for them. Um, Yes, it's helpful to get different ideas and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, our own needs can be very different to that of our friends or our training partners or our coaches or anything like that. So it really is important to nourish your body in a way that's supportive of you individually. Oh, that's such great advice. And like you said earlier as well, Lisa, it's exhausting to be an expert in every single aspect of your life. So it's really lovely to have someone there to be able to sort of coach you through and really give you that individualized approach. Because like you said, every single body is different. Everybody's needs are different. So if you really sort of want to have that experience of having an individualized plan, then you go and see someone about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like, I've, you know, we've all got our own, coaches and and that sort of thing absolutely lisa thank you so much for being here with us today that was such a wonderful interview no worries thank you so much for having me now if you want to contact lisa you can visit her website lssnutrition.com.au or you can follow her on social media LSS Nutrition. Thanks again, Lisa, for such an informative interview. No doubt athletes across the world are already benefiting from your amazing advice. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today and learning all the things you need to know about nutrition and your body. If you want to learn more about today's topic or have a question you'd like answered, please jump onto my website, thetravellingnutritionistaustralia.com and find the podcast tab. All the references are also available should you wish to dive a little deeper. Remember, it's not the things that you eat and do occasionally that matter. It's the things that you eat and do every day that really count. Until next time, always choose the good stuff because you and your health are worth it.